Welcome to the Energy Transition Podcast. I'm Ronan Kavna, editor of World Energy Opinion, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Energy Intelligence Senior Reporter, Philippe Roos, and Alex Martinos, our Director of Energy Transition Research. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Hi. Thanks, Ronan. Right. We're here to discuss some of the findings of the latest climate science report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC and help us understand its potential implications for the energy sector. First, perhaps it would help to understand exactly what the report is. Philippe, can you explain briefly? Yes, uh, this new report focuses on climate change mitigation. Uh, it's the last one of three uh, working group contribution to the IPCC's sixth assessment report, or AR6, uh, AR1 was published back in 1990, or more than 30 years ago. Uh, and the first two working group reports uh, told us that climate change is real, man-made, and that it's causing huge disruptions in the material world and uh, as a consequence to human societies and human well-being. Uh, the report also tells us that while we're slowly starting to act, uh, we're not doing enough. Uh, we're not doing it quickly enough to cut greenhouse gases emissions. Now, we've seen lots of reports on, on climate science, but what makes these IPCC reports so important, Alex? Thanks, Ronan. Uh, yeah, these IPCC reports are, are really widely seen as the world's most authoritative assessment on the science of climate change. Um, and I think it's important to note uh, the process uh, that the IPC uses is one of synthesis. So the organization doesn't do its own research. Instead, it has around 280 authors uh, that reviewed, I think, more than 18,000 scientific papers to reach the conclusions um, in the report. Uh, and the other key thing to note is that uh, this is a UN process. Um, it's a, a cumbersome global uh, diplomatic process, but the report has to be approved by 195 member governments. Um, that includes major fossil fuel producers such as Saudi Arabia or Russia. Um, so that meant there were some delays in the process of completing this report, but they did achieve this wide, uh, broad agreement globally in the end. And how are these reports used? I mean, I think, Ronan, these uh, IPCC reports have been hugely influential in setting a common reference point for action on climate globally. I'd highlight, for example, uh, the IPCC's uh, special report on 1.5 degrees warming, which was requested back in 2015 by the Paris Conference and published in late 2018. And that really set the tone for what has been an intensified focus on climate action uh, in recent years. Uh, so these reports, they certainly inform policy making and decision making on climate, and they do so at a global level, but also at regional and national levels. Uh, but I think as important, they're also used as a reference framework by many other bodies. So that includes energy companies, it includes insurance firms, it includes investors seeking climate friendly portfolios. Um, and we've even seen these reports being used by judges in climate litigation cases. So they really do set a benchmark against which a lot of activity is judged. Yeah, I mean, really setting the agenda. But let's go on to the headline findings. I mean, there's some stark messages there, aren't there, Philippe? Yes, the, the, the report warns us that the world will likely overshoot uh, the goal of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees, degrees Celsius, and that even keeping two degrees in sight will require a major strengthening of policies. Uh, 
But it does, this doesn't mean that we should give up on 1.5 degrees. On the contrary, uh, even if 1.5 degrees is slipping out of reach, it remains, and I would say more than ever, uh, what the world would sh should aim for. And that's bad news for the fossil fuel industry, including the oil and gas industry, uh, because models uh, suggest that it implies cutting coal demand by almost 100%, so to get getting rid of coal. But as far as oil and gas are, cons are concerned, it involves cutting uh, demand by more than half uh, between now and 2050. Significant, but would it be much different under a two-degree pathway? It would indeed be different. I mean, the, the, the half-degree difference makes a, makes a huge difference. Uh, the, the remaining carbon budget that the world can still uh, release in the atmosphere to keep warming below 1.5 degrees with a good probability, a two-third probability, is 400 billion tons of CO2, which is about 10 years of current emissions. For two degrees, it's 1,200 billion tons, so it's three times more. Uh, now, even preserving a two-degree scenario would require substantial declines in oil and gas use. Uh, for, for example, medium two-degree scenarios show that global oil consumption needs to flatten this decade and then fall by about 30 percent, uh, I mean, and, and, and fall after that, and so over the period 2019, 2050, uh, the decline would be about 30%. Uh, natural gas could grow a bit uh, in the current decade by 10, 15% by 2015, uh, by, by 2030, I'm sorry. Uh, but then it would need to decline by about 30%. So it's minus 15%, one five between now and uh, 2050. Uh, which is quite substantial, but for 1.5 degrees, it's, it's even more. It would be minus 60% instead of minus 30% for oil and around minus 45% for gas instead of minus 15%. So significant either way. But what does this mean for the industry, Alex? Well, uh, Ronan, I think perhaps we need to pause just for a moment and acknowledge some of the wider uh, industry issues uh, today. So coming out of the COVID pandemic with the conflict in Ukraine, the world is seeing much tighter commodities markets. We're seeing raised concerns being voiced over um, energy security in particular. And we're seeing much higher prices you know, for oil, currently over $100 a barrel again, um, for gas, elevated prices in most regions too. Um, but this report and you know, those conclusions that, that Philippe had just set out, they really serve as a timely reminder that the underlying climate challenge hasn't gone away. And if anything, it is becoming more urgent day by day. Um, so that leaves the oil and gas industry uh, with an intensifying challenge. of How can it reconcile what is a seemingly irreconcilable need to meet those immediate market demand requirements with what are increasingly urgent longer-term decarbonisation imperatives. Indeed. But what can companies expect now, you know, after this report, Alex? Well, for oil and gas firms, I do think we're going to see in particular the second half of this decade emerging as a key back battleground. Um, so in practice, that means the industry can still expect to be pushed um, to help deliver faster reductions in emissions by the end of this decade and to do so 
emissions reductions in absolute terms, but also including scope three emissions from the end use of its products too. Um, and that pressure will be there even if it seems near impossible to reconcile with those wider demand trends. Um, but the industry can also expect to see continued or increased pressure from lenders and investors raising questions over investment right along the hydrocarbon value chain and looking to see more funds redirected towards green assets too. And that kind of raises the question, what might those green assets include? And I think one area that the IPCC really focused on was uh, CCS, carbon capture, CDR, carbon dioxide removal technologies too. But I mean, CCS and CDR, I mean, should they be taken as a lifeline from the industry, Philippe? Uh, Certainly not. Uh, First of all, they they are quite different. I mean, sometimes people struggle to see the difference between CCS and CDR. Uh, CCS is about uh, preventing emissions from going into the atmosphere. So putting a a, a CCS uh, on a a steel plant or on a power plant so that the the CO2 that's generated by these facilities is, is, is captured and not sent into, into the atmosphere, while CDR is about removing CO2, which is already in the atmosphere. Uh, so it's, it, it's quite different, really. Uh, what the report says is that CCS is probably needed for hard-to-abate industrial applications. Uh, it's probably not substantially needed for power generation, uh, but its impact in in uh, moderating the cuts needed in oil demand would be quite small, the report found. That's basically because oil is mostly used in transport applications where CCS does not fit. I mean, you cannot put a CCS at the at the tailpipe of every car. And it's also because models uh, assume you can't buy, uh, I would say, oil emissions by capturing emissions from uh, coal, coal or gas. Uh, gas is a slightly different story because CCS can be deployed in industry and power generation where, where gas is consumed. And so in 1.5 degree scenarios, gas demand reduction would vary between about 45% uh, with CCS and 70% uh, without CCS. So it's, it's, it's quite a difference. This being said, the IPCC also warns that CCS faces, I quote, technological, economic, institutional, environmental, and socio-cultural barriers. Those include, for example, uh, acceptability of storage, which is not an obvious thing. And I would also emphasize that at the end of the day, CCS deployment will depend on fossil fuel users, not on fossil fuel producers. Uh, which puts the oil industry in, in, in kind of an awkward position vis-a-vis CCS. For, for example, steel makers may want to use hydrogen-based direct reduction of iron ore instead of fitting blast furnaces with CCS, or even they may want to pursue direct electrolysis of uh, iron ore. So, so it's, it's, it's a tricky question. Uh, CDR technologies, uh, which mostly include forestry projects, uh, or bioenergy with CCS, or direct air capture with CCS, uh, CDR technologies face even higher barriers in terms of economics, uh, so, social, social acceptability, and so on, higher barriers than CCS. 
but the reports also say it's very unavoidable if the net zero target is to be achieved. Uh, That also stresses that CDR cannot be used to compensate for delayed action in other sectors. And that's something the report is very clear about. Uh, Because, I mean, they are negative emissions technologies. So in a way, they should come after fossil fuel consumption is reduced as much as possible to kind of repair the damage caused by uh, excess CO2 into the atmosphere. So as a conclusion, as far as the oil industry is concerned, CCS and CDR are certainly good business opportunities for the industry uh, because they have uh, very relevant skills for that, notably uh, for the subsurface storage of CO2. But they shouldn't shouldn't be seen as avenues to prolong the life of fossil fuels. But still, I mean, we're seeing kind of oil and gas companies kind of looking at, at, at carbon capture and storage. Now, Alex, this is something that you've looked at with, with, with research and advisory in, in the low carbon investment tracker. I mean, what are you seeing there? That's right. I mean, for those of you who don't know, the low carbon investment tracker is a tool we have here at Energy Intelligence for keeping track of new green spending by key oil and gas players. Uh, and at the last count, it contained, I think, around 870 announced investments, totaling well over $100 billion um, going back to 2015. Um, But what we saw on CCS um, over 2021 was a sharp increase, I think a 50% increase in um, uh, CCS-related investments or activity that was announced from key IOCs and NOCs. And that really underscores, I guess, this growing recognition of the rising uh, role, the rising imperative around this technology even with those limitations that Philippe has set out here. The other key caveat as well is that most activity uh, that we are tracking at the moment remains at uh, a very early stage. So the projects that we see, uh, I think, are weighted towards Europe in particular. It's perhaps a more mature, low-carbon investment environment, and there are plenty of promising opportunities, for example, around the North Sea area. Um, But There's also the potential that the future focus may tilt more towards, for example, major producing nations in the Middle East, perhaps also in North North America, as they look to, at the very least, reduce their own operational emissions um, and potentially to some of the broader applications that Philippe touched on as well. Now, addressing methane emissions is another imperative. I mean, and this is something the industry is also focusing on. Philippe, what does the IPCC report have to say about that? Well, they insist that deep reductions in methane emissions in the next decade or two would uh, would definitely lower peak warming. Uh, so it would reduce the likelihood of overshooting warming limits. And it would also, as a consequence, it would cut back reliance on CDR to reverse warming later in the century, in the second half of the century. And uh, that's important because, as I said, CDR is unavoidable. And at the same time, it's highly controversial. So the less we need C- the less we need CDR, the better, basically. The IPCC found that between 50 and 80 percent of methane emissions from fossil fuels could be avoided with currently available technology. So it's not a matter of finding a new technology, and, and that could be done at a cost of less than $50 per tonne of carbon dioxide equivalent, which is quite reasonable if you look at current CO2 prices in the European market, which is, uh, which is around $85 uh, per tonne right now. So it's, it's not far from 
half the half the price of uh, of CO two in the European market uh, today. But you can cut the ma- the vast majority of methane emissions. But it seems that even with you know CCS, CDR, and, and methane emission reductions, I mean the reports suggest that emissions would still be on course for exceeding one point five. What does this mean, Alex, for stranded asset risk? Yeah, uh, the IPCC report really confirms and restates the warning that many have been sounding over the last decade, uh, that continued investments in carbon-intensive infrastructure could lead to big losses on so-called stranded assets. Um, The report estimates that these could amount to anything from $1 trillion, even up to $4 trillion by 2050. And that's in a scenario where global warming is limited to around two degrees and would be even higher um, the, if global warming is limited to 1.5 degrees. So these are huge numbers. Um, I guess it is important to note uh, that this decade, certainly it's coal assets in particular that the IPCC highlights that are most vulnerable to these risks. But equally, as we get closer to 2050, the risks to oil and gas assets are expected to rise too. Thank you, Alex. Now, that's been the bad news. But the IPCC also holds out some hope, doesn't it? You know, that the climate problem can still be addressed, Alex. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, one eye-catching thing is that the IPCC notes that the average annual rate of the growth in global emissions slowed over the last decade. So at the beginning of the century, greenhouse gas emissions were growing at over 2% annually. Um, From 2010 to 2019, that growth averaged only 1.3%. So there's movement in the right direction, and this decline in growth is particularly noticeable in energy and industry sectors where the rate of growth has more than halved. And there's some good news too, isn't there, on on renewables, Philippe? Uh, Yes, indeed. I mean, the report uh, insists that since 2010, uh, there have been sustained decreases in unit costs uh, of minus 85% for solar energy and batteries, of minus 55% for wind power. Uh, And uh, actually, in most parts of the world, renewable electricity is now more competitive than fossil fuels for for new projects. And even for, uh, if you compare uh, new uh, renewable power with uh, existing and fully depreciated assets, they they are more competitive than, uh, than fossil fuel power generation. As, as a consequence, we've seen uh, huge increases in installed renewable capacity across the world. And current high commodity prices won't substantially change that picture. On the contrary, you can even argue that current oil and gas prices will probably boost uh, the trend. So we're going in the right direction, perhaps. But the IPCC warns too, doesn't it, that we don't have a lot of time to act What's the bottom line with this? Yes, indeed, the the IPCC's key message is that uh, urgent action is needed now, uh, and now and not after 2030 when it would be less effective. It means, for example, that emerging technologies such as hydrogen and CCS uh, are important and will be useful and, and probably necessary. But mature technologies such as renewable power and methane mitigation need to be accelerated and can be accelerated now. Uh, The IPCC uh, warns that overshooting the 1.5 degree targets implies greater environmental, social and therefore political risks compared with pathways that would limit warming to 1.5 degree. 
uh, with no or just limited overshoot. So, the, so I think the key message is uh, action is action is urgently needed. Thank you. And any final to- thoughts, Alex? No, I just underscore. Um, what Philippe said, I think he summarized it really well there. Uh, the IPCC report really highlights the urgency of action. It talks about emissions needing to peak by the middle of this decade and fall dramatically before the end of the decade and really rely on the more mature technologies that we already have um, to cut uh, emissions and therefore cut fossil fuel use as quickly as possible. And those newer technologies, would uh, it envisages playing a role after 2030 once fossil fuel demand is already Um, starting to fall fast. So that's a a pretty stark message to uh, the global energy industry, to the fossil fuel industry um, coming from this report. Absolutely. It gives us a lot to think about. And so thank you very much, gentlemen, for sharing those insights with us today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Well, we're just about out of time now. So that just leaves it for me to say thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today and will join us again for the next Energy Transition podcast. And in the meantime, please check out www.energyintel.com for all our latest content.